killed the giggler, man. They killed the giggler! Welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Sequel Q&A. My name's Doug. This week's bonus Q&A is a very special one to me. A while back, we covered Death Wish 3, and it is the best Death Wish ever, and probably one of my favorite movies ever. And I was lucky enough to collaborate with a, a man that helped me have the opportunity to talk to you know, Joe Gonzalez, and that is Chris Roush, who runs the Charles Bronson Twitter account. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, my God. I cannot believe the people, the bad guys that we got. Just tell everyone who we are, who we have back together for the first time in, what, 36 years? 36 years. I mean, their characters are terrible. You hate them, but they're really the nicest guys ever. Uh, we have Alex Winter, uh, who played Hermosa. Um, you guys probably know him from those other movies, but we won't mention those. Uh, Kirk Taylor, uh, famous for playing the Giggler, who got uh, just blown up by a, a hand cannon from Charles Bronson. And um, Tony Spiridakis, uh, the Greek from Queens, who played Angel in the movie and recited probably the most famous line and most quoted line from that movie, as we all know. You tried your best, and he was almost going to do it, but... He he just does not like that line whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, so during this uh, special reunion that we're doing, because Chris and his Twitter account, the Charles Bronson Twitter account, which is at Bronson Tweets 9, we're, well, today, the day this is getting released on November 3rd, 2021, it is Charles Bronson's 100th birthday, so Chris had the great idea to get them all together. And they said yes, which is amazing. So you're going to hear stories about their auditions. Uh, you really just, we chose, and, and Chris reached out to people. It, it just happened to be three guys that were best friends on set. So you're going to hear some like shenanigans, stories about Charles Bronson, uh, behind the scenes, Michael Winner, the different eating conditions that they all had, and so much more. Before we start this amazing reunion that you're gonna love it's 60 plus minutes of just pure awesomeness if you're a fan of death wish 3 or just a fan of behind the scenes hollywood stories you're gonna love it don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening rate five stars we'd appreciate it and follow us on twitter at sequels only and my man chris at bronson tweets nine i'll put it all in the episode notes as well so you can check it out there without further ado here are the bad guys the heavies from Death Wish 3. Enjoy. They don't know this, but that's why I'm here. Yeah, me too. I- I'm totally <laughs> here because I want to see Alex. Oh, yeah. you got him. Man, how are you? I always want I'm really good. I-, I always want to grab you and give you a noogie. Uh, yeah, no, I'll take him. <laughs> yeah, my- it's so good to see you, man. Yeah, really good. Where are you, in Long Island? Or I- I'm in Long Island. I'm in- Where oh, are you? Great. I'm in L.A., yeah. Are you living I'm in a mix? There? You're in a yeah. mix. Good yeah. for you. I, I'm in um, South Pasadena. But oh, uh, cool. I'm, yeah, I'm in the valley right now. But yeah, yeah, we're out in South Pasadena, fam. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah, I'm in Greenport. I'm on I'm on the water. I'm watching a sailboat sailboat <laughs> go right by. It's that place that I always brought you guys to and loved the yep. island. And I got I settled in Greenport, man, and I Oh, good I for you. Love it. I love it. I love oh, it. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's, I think, yeah, one of the last times we hung out for any length was out there. That's right. And it's so, so funny because I had Tony Goldwyn was just out here and we were just talking about you. Do you remember who we went over to the Hamptons? Yeah, I do. We broke yeah. into that, like, um, <laughs> country club. It was a, it was a <laughs> beach club. Yeah, that's right. And we hung out there. And like, we, for, we like broke yeah. into someone's cabana and we totally yeah. hung out there. <laughs> 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 I mean, oh this my God. True. That was so fucking great. There he I'm going to freak out. There's Kirk. There's Kirk. Hey, oh hey. What's up? You look exactly the same. Ex- what the hell? I've been, exactly. sl- I've, I've been sleeping in a freezer bag, just staying fresh. <laughs> Oh my God! Wow, it's so good to see you too, man. You You know, do you? Don't you feel like it's just like we're right back there and and totally nothing? Yeah, scary actually. A little scary. Oh my God! A trio, a trio of the nicest villains. (laughs) (laughs) I was just telling these guys. I go, I don't know how we got to be villains, but we were the nicest guys. Oh, well, that's Winter only hired me because I had a British passport. He was very clear about that. Otherwise, I would not have been there. And that's Whoa. why I got it too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what, Tony, you had a you had a British passport. I married Kate O'Toole, Peter oh. O'Toole's daughter, and I had just married her. He was going to throw me out of the office, and I remember yelling at. I literally got into a yelling thing with when Michael Winter was in New York. I started shouting, <laughs> and he goes, "You, you, you asshole! You, 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 you're not British. You can't." I go, "I'm married to a Brit. I have, you know." And then he was like, "Oh, okay." And he changed yeah. the iron. It makes it work. It yeah. made it work totally. Yeah, it was because we were cheap. Yeah, we were cheap. <laughs> Wow. Oh, that's it. Yeah, ah! Kirk, he actually hired you for your talent. So yeah, you, you're yeah. the only yeah. one who got hired for a job. I think it was my look. <laughs> I had oh, actually I had just uh, done a film called Streetwalking with Antonio Fargus, Julie Newmar, the original Catwoman. And yes. I, wa- I walked in with the shirt from that. And he says, I like that shirt. I like, we want to put that in the movie. I think it was my shirt. <laughs> I got to park because of my shirt. Oh, my God. That's hysterical. <laughs> Oh, holy crap. Yeah. Well, hello, Chris and Doug. I don't want to be. Oh, here. no. Well, hey, Chris and Doug. We're like flies the on the wall. Hey, Kirk. Alex, please. How are you doing, Thank Alex? Thanks for joining yeah. us, too, by the way. Good. Great uh, to have you guys. I love that mark sure. on Doug's head, man. Doesn't that bring back memories, guys? I literally burst out laughing because I was like, that is yeah. the lamest thing I've ever. Like, who came up with that as being scary? I'm sure Michael came up with that. It's terrible. Yeah. It's the worst. What does it mean? It doesn't scare me at all. It makes us look ridiculous. Was this the only one? Was this the only choice for anything? Or was there other ones that you had? Yeah. That was it. We, that they was never it. gave us a no, choice. We're, we're presented with a with a very substantive selection of face <laughs> logos, out of which we. We chose that one. <laughs> oh no! Gavin showed up. Gavin showed up with that on his big Irish head, and I went, "Oh, I guess that's it, that's it for like, us." Oh, I was so busy staring at his reverse mohawk, I don't think I noticed the thing on his forehead for a really long time. But uh... <laughs> you guys remember? You remember the wars that were? I think Tony, you told me this, but there was a war going on. A practical jokes on stage. And yeah. when I left, I heard someone had put eggs in someone's shoes. And the, the very last one, someone t- to Gavin, someone put X-Lax in his food. I never heard what happened. You don't know. I don't know if you guys oh, have no. even heard. 
Dude, there was like serious, no. serious practical jokes. That's not did he I don't know that he would have found that. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's crossing the line. <laughs> you couldn't tell him you have to wait a year, but you right. can tell him yeah. later. <laughs> well, I mean the whole shoot was like one big practical joke. We would it was, know, right? you guys remember. Yeah, we'd go to like I remember showing up on so we had gone on during the weekend to go play pool in Camden or something, a, a bunch of us, you guys yeah. included. And I remember on set on Monday, because I remember Tony, you and I like sidebarred on this, and Michael was like, Oh, did you enjoy yourself playing pool in Camden this weekend? And we we're like, How Are you literally you having us follow? <laughs> right, like, right. what the hell? We were what upset. Is problem? <laughs> she was out of his mind. And it's, it, I remember, Kirk, you played. And this is, I can't, you know how sometimes your memory is like, oh, did I make that up or did that yep. actually happen? Yep. Did you ever call me and pretend to be Stanley Kubrick? <laughs> that is so much my speed. <laughs> it is. Do that. I, yeah. I, 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 I remember you, you guys found out I crashed the, uh, the full metal edition. It was an open call. And yeah. I crashed it. I didn't have an appointment. It wasn't an open call. I didn't have an appointment. And I went and I. And what's his name? Leon made me wait till the, like 11 o'clock at night. And then I went in and wow. auditioned. And then I think the next day I got a call from you and you were like, hello, this is <laughs> You know, the, I, 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 I'm like, pretty sure that was me because I actually did that to get my audition. We were I heard that he was casting still when we were there. Right. But I knew he had started casting like two years before. So I knew it wasn't the same film. It is the same film. Yeah. I call I, I, the guys, Doug and Chris have heard that I called up, did a British accent. Hello, hello. We have an actor here, Kirk Tedders, working with Mr. Bronson. You will love him. And they sent me in. They sent me in. Uh, uh, they, they accepted an appointment from me. So I got in with a British accent. So I would, and then just BS my way through the rest of it. Well, the, 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 yeah, it was, uh, I remember that, and I can't remember if it's real or not, but I, I do remember like telling you to go yeah. fuck yourself or something. And then, and then, That's and exactly then, what I would do. And then the next and day, I got a call from, and again, I can't remember if it was Leon. I think it was Leon. And I said to him, oh, fuck you, Kirk. And he went, <laughs> and he went uh, I don't know who Kirk is, uh, but... Please don't talk to me that way. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then I got offered two. I had to then go back and read two parts. Captain Lockhart January. Or Captain or, or Lieutenant Lockhart. Okay. Right. And um, and I, of course, picked the one that got cut out of the film. <laughs> Dude, I, <laughs> do you know I just read that today? I knew that you were Captain January, and I yeah. knew that you weren't in the film for some reason, but I read the account that the actor that you were doing the scene with, this was a big scene. It was the biggest dialogue scene, I think, in the film, something like that. And That's they said true. that the, the actor that you were working with, Stanley, watched the footage and was like, this guy's out of sync. Mm -hmm. cut, it whole, cut it out. It was like, oh, my gosh. No kidding. Yeah. 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 It was unbelievable wow. because, yeah. yeah, that was like, that's what made me, a, there are two things that go along with that. One, I had also gotten in to see James Cameron on Aliens. I did too. And I he, remember meeting yeah, Gail, yeah, and Gail, wow. and Gail and Jim. They wanted me to be Hudson. And right. I was, they, and, and so I was like, oh, I just got offered uh, Captain January. You know, yeah. which we didn't even know what the part was at that time. Like, it was like, you know, they were like, yeah, no, so it's interrupt. the middle of the film. So I remember talking to my agent and talking to my friends and they're like, you can't say no to Kubrick. And I was like, 
And I was like, I fucking love Terminator. Like I was like, please me too. God, like, <laughs> me, me too. you know, and, and I was like, basically I, you know, whether they would have gone with me ultimately or not, they, they were, that was what they wanted me to uh, read and do. That's what James, James was very, very excited. And he was ridiculously overt. Gail was much more reticent. And, you know, she was the, adult in the room you could tell like <laughs> like that was their relationship so i gravitated towards him and then i said no i can't do it guys i just got offered uh, a role in full metal jacket and they were like oh thanks congratulations and you know and that yeah, was the end of it a year of your life <laughs> cut to you know i'm right, completely yeah. <laughs> cut out <laughs> yeah and on top of that i had gotten five corners in new york and and the john shanley's first film yeah, that Tony that Bill one. was directing, and oh, then, yeah. I, and then I, a week before I go in, I had done my wardrobe and everything. Tony Bill calls me and he goes, "We can't. We're firing you for no reason other than that John Patrick Shanley has casting approval, and he and John Turturro think you look too much like John Turturro to play this." I mean, I had a much smaller role, and John was this amazing. There was a he was very great in that movie, but anyway, because John and I had gone to Yale and. I think he had it in for me. I don't really think I look like fucking John Turturro, but I got fired and I never showed up. And I had me and Elizabeth Barrage had audition and I got the role. I was so excited. And, and then oh, I find man. out right after that, I get cut out of full metal jacket. I get a call from yeah. fucking Stanley. And that was the end of that. And I thought wow. I got to start writing. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that those kind of things, those yeah. misses that we have in our careers lead us in, it's almost like a pathway changes Absolutely, and we end up going yeah. a different direction. But if it wasn't for Kirk, where do you live? It, are you, are you West Coast? I'm in, yeah, I'm in North Hollywood. How about you? Oh, I, I'm actually right now. I'm in North Hollywood. You guys have coffee You're out of here. Hollywood. That, yeah. Wait a minute. I, I think I see you from my window. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right near the park. The, you know, the Amelia Earhart library. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, oh, two two days ago, I walked by and a guy has crashed his car into the freaking thing, destroyed his car, and Amelia didn't even move. This, this, oh, really? this guy was taken Dude, away. Cold. They, they, I watched the cops. I, you, know, you know how curious we all are. I stopped and watched yeah. the cops for like 10, 15 minutes as they do the breathalyzer <laughs> test. They do the touch your nose. And at one point, the guy collapses and hugs one of the cops. I was like, oh, he's gone. That's it. <laughs> so I got to ask if, if you guys have any specific questions you wanted us to answer yeah, for you we'll regarding just, we, we, this experience. We could do this all. Because otherwise, this all we haven't seen it. each other in a really long time. That's awesome. I know. I, know. I love it. Over, I love it. And uh, I, well, clearly, we all need to get together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. So this is way oh, man. I, I really look forward to being in touch with you guys. And Tony, are you here? I'm in New York. I'm in Long Island. Oh, you're in Long Island. I gave okay. up. I gave up the mothership three years ago. Wow! I cut okay. my. Yeah. I, I sold my place. I had a place in um, in it was like Sherman Oaks. Uh, oh yeah. And, uh -huh. and I loved it till my boys both graduated high school there, and they both picked colleges right. on the East Coast. Oh there man! My go. son, yeah, my youngest son, is going to Bard. Amazing. Yes. Bard. Yes. That's, that's so great. Yeah. And um. Wow. Yeah, congratulations. Went to Bard Alex, I know about Bard because Alex really in a way, weird way. Yeah. I, I used to live next. My wife went and I lived next door. Right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And Jane Muskie okay. taught there. Remember? And Jane Muskie was your that's teacher. So there was this whole weird. Yeah. And when Muskie. my son picked Bard, I was like, I know Bard. And then I figured yeah. it out. But anyway, um, 
Yeah, I gave up three years ago and came to the East Coast, and they both pick colleges on the East Coast. So, so that's perfect. Now that you can be there for them. And now I'm I'm not moving. Yeah, I love it. And just writing. I'm only writing. So for me, it's not hard to. I don't have be anywhere tons yep. of meetings or any of that stuff. It's, so it's good. Not until this interview comes out. And then, yeah, boy, then Dude. you're going to go like, just put that thing on my head. And you can, you can see, I will be in every horror movie, or action villain in every, oh my God. Doug, that is. So what, what questions yeah. have you got? Yeah. So, Tell you, us. You, you know, it's you funny how know. you all mentioned that you kind of got these roles kind of out of convenience because you were there. But it, it seemed like the scripts kind of called for you guys to be, uh, the characters to be Latin, maybe? Which you all kind of fit that part, because <laughs> Alex, you were her most. Yeah, I don't. I, mean, I don't I know what you mean. With Angel. <laughs> That's right. That's I was right. Hermosa. Hermosa. Yeah, I do know a few words in Latin, though. <laughs> to be fair. Oh, that's funny. But uh, no, I auditioned in New York. It was in this this dingy. I don't know, Tony, if you went to the same place, yes. or if you, if Kirk, you did. It was a dingy room. Like all the way over on the on west 11th side of the Avenue or something. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, all the way over by the river. And Michael was like in this windowless little yes. hovel. Yes. And uh, and it was that European style audition where they don't ask you to read anything; they just talk, talk to yes. you. Yeah. And uh, he talked to me, and 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 he kept saying over and over again. He had a cigar in his tiny little windowless room. He kept saying. <laughs> I'm offering, he literally started the conversation with this. I'm offering you a damn good pot. A damn good pot. He kept saying over and over again. And I was like, what do you mean, you, what do you mean you're offering me? I'm like, I haven't, I just sat down. Like, what, what, what? you say that to literally everyone who comes in, right? And then just see how they react. And if they say yes, then they actually get the damn good part, you know? Um, but it was all about my British. But he knew, similar to Tony, he knew that I was a, a U, UK dual. But I didn't have a British passport. He said, "Well, you can't do oh. this without a British passport." All I had was like, like a stamp, because my brother, who's also British, couldn't get a British passport. They just wouldn't give him one. Um, and Michael was said, "Don't worry, I'll do that for you. I'll take care of it." Because he was Michael Winner. He was like, you know, the landed gentry. <laughs> right. And sure enough, like within a week, I had a, I had the damn good part and a British passport. <laughs> nice. which to this day, I still Whoa. have. Wow. So that's why I was there. Did any one of you guys did did you do under British Equity or SAG? Oh, dude, I can't remember. I honestly <laughs> I I, can't. It was it was Canon movie. It was Canon movie. Was, was there any union involved at uh, all? I mean, do you, do you get residuals? No, I don't think so. No, it was English. They put you. They put British you under British, and they did, and they got me on Full Metal Jacket because my agent. I was so excited about getting. She put me under a British Equity contract, and I found that they don't get residuals. Right. Yeah. Well, you've read. You read the story about Stanley Kubrick and Malcolm McDowell playing ping pong, right? Like that dude wasn't going to pay anybody anything Whoa. that he didn't have to pay them. <laughs> I know, I didn't so, know that story. That's, that's an amazing story, but I'll yeah, another oh, oh, no, time. It's great. Yeah, he basically jipped McDowell out of all of his VO on on Clockwork, oh. and when his agent complained, he was like, "He played ping pong with me. He didn't want to touch He was from the, he, was, he was from the Bronx. <laughs> he was like, he played ping pong. He wasn't doing VO, and he oh, would like pay him like five dollars." Oh, I love anyway. it. No, I had yeah, I had but- done three. I did a mini series in Spain called Harem, that was for ABC with Nancy Travis and and Omar Sharif and uh, Ayafik Kodo, and they got me. Mm. They and I, but I had learned my lesson from Death Wish yeah. and from Stanley, 
And so I made the agents like do something where I tried something and I actually got an extra amount of money to offset because it was bullshit. The Brits got screwed. Like they didn't get, they really did. And we, and we have really learned, I learned that we had great collective bargaining, uh, that unions were amazing and that the Brits were not, not treated well. Even to this yeah, day. and Canon on top of that. Right. I mean, you put Canon yeah. on top yeah. of the UK situation. I mean, I did two movies for Canon back to back. That one and Haunted Summer, and um, by Haunted Summer, I was just like, dude, just save your per diem. Like, I just went into that going, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to make any, whatever money I make on this is going to be like by not staying in the hotel, not you know, and literally just squirreling away my cash. So that was how I earned any money off of either of those things. It was saving my per diem. Wow. Uh, Kirk, do you remember the, did you audition the same spot in New York? I remember being in an office with Michael alone. I don't remember if he was smoking a cigar or not. I was so, I was such a young, you know, a young actor. I was, uh, I was just happy to be in there. I would have, I would have breathed napalm if they wanted me to. But uh, I read a little bit, but it was sort of what the guys described that kind of a European style where they just kind of talk to you and then offer you the part. Mm -hmm. Um, And, that's one of the films I do get residuals on. And uh, there was my first film doing getting residuals as far as I remember. And I used to throw my SAG mail out. You know, like, vote. I was like, ah, I'm not voting. I don't care. I'm not going to vote. And I went to throw out this envelope. And I was like, just open it. It looked a little different. Dude, it was a check from MGM for $5,000. <laughs> I went in the garbage. I opened everything. I opened everything in my garbage at that point and never threw anything out again. Because I couldn't believe I was getting money. Death Wish 3? Death Wish 3. I couldn't believe I made that much. I mean, it was just such a big deal. And then somebody in the films. I honestly wouldn't have said that publicly because I think someone from Canon. (laughs) It was a mistake. (laughs) We sent you how much? With with interest. That's true. Yeah, you owe us thirty yeah, grand. Forget it. Oh my god! <laughs> oh man! So when you guys auditioned, you knew obviously. Did they tell you, "Hey, this is Death Wish 3, or was it under another title? Oh, it was Death Wish. Oh, you knew. Okay, it was Death Wish. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it was. I think it was Troilus and Crescent at one point. They changed it. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. No, it was it was Death Wish Three with Michael. And we all, I mean, it's, it's all he yeah. did. He was cranked out Death Wish. And we all knew. We all knew. Christopher Guest, uh, um, Goldblum had all been. There was a tradition of really good actors, very not uh, violent, evil, villainous guys. (laughs) Playing these characters. That had all been bad guys. So I thought, oh, that can't hurt me. You know, like this is really, there's a tradition. I felt the same thing. It was like, you know. Right. Come on. Okay. You know, and it gets me to London. Oh my God. It was all good. Was, I know. I didn't. To be honest, we had we had a really like it took. I would argue, like we were all like a little hydra, like you, like the yes. three of us, and there was like two other actors. But once we got there, real, I mean, Michael's out of his mind, and the set was you know somewhat dangerous and very misogynistic and very you know whatever. But and the movie was obviously a pile <laughs> of utter rubbish. But we had a really good time. Best, like it was. Yeah. We had a super fun time. We, I and really we were enjoyed in London. That. Yeah, we had fun on set, and the whole crew kind of took the piss out of Michael all the time. So it was sort of he was in his own world, and and the, everyone else was in theirs. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like his 
authoritarianism and the kind of weird quasi-abusive nature of the way he operated, it, it didn't really fan out much. It was sort of like localized, like pig pen and the cloud of dirt around them, you know, because um, everyone on the crew was pretty great. And we actually had a, a really good time, as I remember. Yeah. Absolutely. Did, weren't we staying in Elephant and Castle? Was that it? Yeah. Yes. We were in Elephant, yeah. Castle. Elephant and Castle. Yeah, right on Lambeth. Which is great. Right I mean, Lambeth I remember Circle. thinking, I oh, my it. God, I love being there. I mean, it was, you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. As much horror story as there is to the whole Michael Winter thing, he had this sort of way about him. Once we settled in, we were just, that was, you know, we, you know, and then I remember thinking, oh, my God, we got to work with who? The 12 Angry Man guy. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, uh, um, the one we beat Martin up, Char Balsam. Charlie yeah. Martin Balsam. Yeah. Beat up Martin yeah. Balsam. Who gets to yeah. say that? You know, <laughs> no, take one I mean, of the yeah. kindest, gentlest, one most wonderful, and we beat him up. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. We, we, we we tenderized him a little more. Yeah. But we also like I think uh, Bronson, who was you know onto the third movie. You guys may remember. I have a terrible memory. I can't remember whether, whether his wife was either dead or she dying. Was, no, she, she was, was on set. That she was on set. She, she, but she yeah, had right, been diagnosed, right. and we all knew she was right. Not yeah, because right. he was pretty preoccupied yeah. and and very kind of inwardly sad, and sweet and very um, sweet. And I, I remember he was super nice, and like I think really enjoyed hanging out with us yes. for New York theater actors. Primarily. That's well, I was telling so, the guys the story, Alex, that he wanted me to change my name and. <laughs> Tony Spinner. Yes. I remember that. I remember that. I remember that conversation. When it that happened. was another Tony one that Spirit. I thought I imagined, but it's fucking Tony true. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. He said, you can't be, you can't be Tony Spirit. Marcus. No one, no one's going to, you have to be Tony Spirit. Just get, get rid of the yes, rest of your I should've... And you were like, I remember you were like, I mean, lovingly, but like being, we were a bunch of wise says, you were like, Dude, you named yourself after a fucking street. Why should I take advice from you? You said you said that. Yes. My mouth, my mouth got me into so much trouble too. <laughs> because really, you know, and then oh, the best part, Alex, I said to him, I turned to him one day and I said, "Listen, just stop it." I said, "Think of John Cassavetes," and I was that was my big Waterloo moment. He looked at me and he went, "I rest my case." Exactly. <laughs> Who the hell knows who John Cassavetes is, you idiot? Like, you need to be Tony Spirit. Yeah, I Tony mean, he, Spirit. he would not back off. You know, and the truth is, I should have listened to him. <laughs> but you know what? The guys, Doug and Chris, were asking, did you have the same experience I did? Because you're right, Alex. He was so kind. Yeah. Like, why did he notice us? Like, we could have been not even spoken well, I to think, i but. think that he knew that that you know you know sort of like the other actors that that winner hired he always hired these kind of like interesting new yorky theatery type actors and bronson you know had had come from a really serious background right. and had sort of now found himself churning out these mm. action movies and and i'm sure he felt a kinship with us like that's what i so, felt like. I remember, and, that's so great you know, that you remember that he was i was telling the guys he was super kind to us yeah. really you know? he was yeah you're yeah. talking about you're talking really about bronson, yeah. right bronson. i'm talking about bronson and kirk i remember this the kirk story i remember about bronson <laughs> was that Branson was always, and rightfully so, because it was a lower budget movie, and there was it was the opposite of whatever the no expense spared slogan is. A lot of our sets were really filthy, and Branson would always be really nervous about being in those sets. And one day, he was sitting alone in the set, and no one else 
had the nerve to go in because they were afraid that, that they were going to get yelled at, like on the cruise. It was, crew, the set was really dirty. And Kirk, do you remember the story? You were like, you're like, guys, I'm going in. I'm going into <laughs> yes. the cave. And, I, and you really, and you genuinely just wanted to see, make sure he was okay. Like, and you went in and you were, <laughs> you came out, you were, you were ashen. And we were like, <laughs> you're like, you got in to see Grendel in the air. And we were like, we were like, dude, like, what happened? What happened in there? And you were like, so I, I went up to Boston. He was sitting in the dark by himself on a stool. And he was dead quiet. And there's no one else there. And I was like, Mr. Bronson, is, can, can I get you anything? Are you okay? And he said, Tony, Tony, uh, Kirk, Kirk, sit down. And he said, you have to eat a banana <laughs> every day, Kirk. And you were like, what? It's like, you have to eat a banana. A banana will keep your immune system strong. You have to eat a banana every day. And you're like, backed out of the room. Like, like, I just had the weirdest freaking conversation. Oh, with my Joe God. Process. I think. Do you remember that? I, I, I actually, probably because of the trauma of it, I blocked it out. <laughs> I, remember, I remember it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Eat a banana every day. That would make me yeah. back out now. A guy yeah. sitting we, in the dark talking about bananas. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. That's, wow. I think, after that, I think after that, you always wanted to, you were like, as a joke, we were like, should we make sure Bronson has a banana? Should we, should we get him? Should someone go to craft service and get some Bronson a banana? And then we, and, and then we had that sweet woman that we had to. I had to grab her, and she was like, "It's okay." And I had to like Marina, yeah. Marina, Marina's who's like an amazing, amazing oh actress. Marina Sirtis, amazing thing. Uh, I yeah. literally like had to, I, you know, had to like fondle her against the car. Being being uh, a woman in a Charlie Bronson movie was horrible. Horrible. It was. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you guys remember the part they cut out? Um, yeah. I I had a I. I guess I improvised this. And I said to Gavin, I said, we already had brutalized her. I said, can I, can I do it? Can I do it? Can I go back? He said, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Hurry up. <laughs> and they did a shot where their smoke, this guy, the Gavin's is trying to light a cigarette and you see me going, you see, kind of see the kind of a, the figure of what's going on. And I grabbed Marina's arm improvising this and I turned it up and slapped it at the same time, like it broke, but I slapped it so freaking hard that Gavin dropped his cigarette. Everyone was so shaken up by this because she screamed. I just said, pop, pop, smacked it. It looked like it broke. And then when I walked out, I said, okay, we can go now. And we walked out. <laughs> and and uh, Winner wanted to keep that in. It was brutal, dude. It was. It made you want to kill the giggler more. You would have had to say, Kill, you killed the giggler and he deserved it. Uh, but Michael called me and said that the film had gotten an X rating. Wow. And he said, he said, he confronted him. He says, why? He said, you killed too many people. He said, what about Rambo? And they said, they're Asian. No. True story. And he wow. said, he said to me, he said, if they give us an X rating, I'm putting it back in. Cause it was that brutal. Right. Oh, I'm kind of glad right. they didn't put it back in. Cause I felt bad enough. I felt like, as I told uh, Doug, I felt like they should have killed me three scenes earlier. <laughs> <laughs> you, you I've done such crazy yeah. dude. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah, we were all, we were all sort of just you know letting you leave yeah. because because uh, I, I would have not been I, the the scene I had to do with Marina. Um, uh, Michael had had convinced me to do my own stunts, which basically meant he got to toy with me all the time. I'm a, I'm a flipping moron. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if you guys remember that one night I had to like jump on the hood of her yes. car. Car goes down yeah. in the in the underground parking lot. I fall off, and Bronson's supposed to hit me in the chest with a crowbar. And we did it over and over and over and over and over all night long. And the stunt coordinator was getting so pissed. He was like, Michael's just screwing with this kid. He wants to get him hurt. 
And Mike and Bronson wouldn't hit me with a lead pipe. And every time I fell off the car, got up, said some line that I improvised because it was stupid. And like, you're mine now, bitch, and I'm going to eat you or something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because I'm, you know, how can I make myself look sillier? And and Bronson would step out of the shadows and he wouldn't hit me. And that went on for like seven or eight takes. And eventually Winter took Bronson aside and I stepped close so I could hear it. And Winter's like, Charlie, Charlie, we're going to be here all night. You have to hit this lad. And Bronson says, Bronson says, Michael, I can't hit this kid. He looks like a fucking choir boy. I lose my audience. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's my cool. goodness. that's perfect. Oh, oh man! Wow. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. So you did all your stunts. So that final scene, Alex, that's you when you when Ed Louder shoots you, and you that's yeah. you falling. That's just me falling into like a mattress, like a foot off of camera. But yeah, yeah, that's me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Speaking of which, I hate to bring up the bad, uh, that this is the bad reunion of bad guys. Yeah. There was a, 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 if I'm not mistaken, there was a terrible accident on Death Wish. Yeah. Parade. I remember we watching were, it. We were together. We, we were standing. It. You, The three yeah, of us yeah. were probably together because yeah, remember the, they, remember, remember they lit the, ba- the, the face of the, it's a faux building, right? The faux. Yeah. The, and then yeah. they lit up the, uh, and then. This very um, sort of an illustrious uh, uh, stuntman stunt in, in the UK. He was beloved. Yeah. Rocky, Rocky Taylor. Was it, it Rocky was Taylor? Rocky Taylor. Yeah. Wow. Well done. Well Kirk. done. And, and, I remember and, it. And I remember, I remember it. it was, yeah, was Rocky this, guy. Rocky that. And we're going to watch Rocky do this cool stunt. And the building apparently had too much accelerant. And the flames went flying up the side of the building. And Rocky came flying yeah. off the building and did not hit his max. He missed. Yeah. Did you know that, Chris? Did you yeah. know about this? Um, yeah. He wrote and a book about um, his career, and I believe the cover of that book is him jumping off that building. Well, it's a memoir right. because he, 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 I don't think he lived. Did he, he lived. Live through I, thought he, he lived. I thought he died. Yeah, I thought he died. He lived? He really, I know it was really, really bad. I remember he really it. Got hurt, yeah, he oh, wow. Because we were, I'm telling yeah. you, the three of us, we were, I was in shock. Like, I was like, I'd never seen a stunt like that. And then to have him be injured during it, I was like, what the heck? But there was a few of those. There was the other guy who, the, the stunt guy we used to hang out with all the time, who was really nice. He was about our age, brunette, with kind of like a short cropped haircut. can't remember his name. And he had to do that stunt where he came out the side of the building, went through the two glass roofs. Oh, yes. And it was the day that, like, I don't think it was the Queen of England, but, like, we were shooting. The, the set was built in Lambeth Hospital, which is where Charlie Chaplin had been born. It had huge historical wow. significance in London. So we used to have these these very illustrious guests come to watch the shooting. And the shooting would, would be like people being gang raped in the middle of like the set. You're like, oh, hello, would you like a spot of tea as you watch the filming today? Like, action, you know, gang rape. And, uh, oh, marvelous, marvelous, Michael. You know. 
but the the someone came to watch that day who was like super illustrious. I don't remember who it was, and he got really badly injured because they were always cutting corners. Um, doing his stuff, he broke his leg or whatever. Doing so, it was one of those horrible moments where someone does this amazing stunt and there's just dead silence, and you realize he's not he's not getting up. It, it's something about people getting for me people getting hurt making a movie that just oh, is just ridiculous. Man. It's like. And then add to that, making that movie. Right, right. We invest our lives into these films, and right, and the people are getting hurt. It's crazy. Yeah. My wife is a script supervisor, and she's on a, she was on a show called uh, L.A.'s Finest with uh, Gabrielle Union, mm-hmm. uh, Jessica Alba, John Sally, the basketball player. I love that guy. He's so tall that it's ridiculous. <laughs> I never felt that small in my life. And on her set, the last day, they're finishing the season, season one, and a stunt goes wrong. The stunt driver hits one of those big metal containers that are on the ships and pushes it on top of one of the producers on his leg. Mm. And all you can hear was screams. They had, a t- they had to cut his foot off. Oh, I just can't. God. Oh, my God. I just can't get That's over that kind of stuff when it happens. And then poor Rocky, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear he made it. I wasn't sure either. But it's just something about these and this injury that just happened recently. Yeah. Injury. Uh, this murder that happened. Uh, yeah. I don't it know. Makes, yeah, just it, makes yeah, you pause because yeah. this is, you know, we do this. This is fantasy. I mean, where we want to come and have fun, and it becomes like a family unit, and then something like that happens, it does. and then you're just it does. What you have no? What do you? You're just so betrayed by the process, and you don't know what to do. There's nothing yeah. to do with your anger, and it's awful. It's awful. There's nothing to do. Yeah, in the wild '80s and the Golden Globus era oh. was was pretty oh, rowdy. So I rowdy. mean, it was a lot of corners were being cut. Right. And, yeah, so push things were always being pushed mm-hmm. to the arm. Right, yeah, right. The, the safety was yeah. less than today, right? It was. I'm surprised yeah. there weren't more injuries. Right. Maybe yeah. there were. <laughs> Maybe it wouldn't yeah. be a yeah. pain them off not it to talk about yeah. right. yeah. yeah. So what else is on your mind, guys? What other? What other? Well, Tony, how about your scene? You didn't do your own stunts. Yeah, he didn't convince you, right? Oh, I think I did. I mine was easy <laughs> though. I mean, I just said a stupid. <laughs> I mean, I I remember being in a window. Or out of a window or something. And then I just fall forward. And I think it's similar to what Alex said. You just fell on a. Yeah. I mean, it was not a. On a map. You know, but I, I have to say, I was, I feel like I was the biggest letdown as a villain of all of the villains. No. No. 100%. I was telling these guys. No. Kirk, I was telling these guys, not you, but I'd have people that I am very close to get somewhere in the universe getting stoned and death wish three would show up on the tv and they felt compelled to call me wherever i was whatever time zone i was in and whisper they killed the giggler man they killed the girl and it was in a mocking tone i must say because because it was said so badly i mean i I remember like thinking just hearing it oh it caught me it was like "Ah, i shouldn't be an actor like this is so easy to say this stupid line but i did it with like emotion and it was ridiculous and i and i watched you guys i felt like you cared about me I feel like you cared I about did. me. Like when I heard it, I was like, I said, you damn right. Say it <laughs> twice. Say it twice. I, I had a little tear. Like, it was so stupid. Dude, like I, I, It was so iconic, <laughs> though, Tony. And, I'm, and this is, it really is. And I'm going to tell you, this is a true story. I swear. This is 10 years ago. I'm sitting in church <laughs> during the service. And some guy, I think I found out later he was an actor. He comes up behind me. He said, they killed the giggler, man. They shouldn't have done that. They killed the giggler. And he ran out of church. I said, who was that? 
news, I turned Tony. to my wife. I said, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. If it had been you, I would have lost my oh mind. Oh, my God. That's just so... He literally whispered that in I, my ear. He whispered in I my ear. I never lived that oh Tony, Tony, can Alex. you, can you uh, repeat that line for us? No, I can't repeat that line. They killed the giggler, man. They killed the giggler. Like, it's terrible. It's just terrible. How do you say that? And you gotta, I mean, how I like do you it. say that? Like, I've been thinking about it for my whole life, you know, and now I'm. Well, the dialogue was so bad that, that I remember we just rewrote a lot of it. Like, oh. I, I had lived a lot of my lines, and we would just, it was only a movie that we were like, you kind of trolled the right. movie, where like you'd find ways <laughs> to somehow up upend it in different ways, in oh. subtle ways, you know? But I, I, I honestly, you know, I, I haven't hadn't seen it in a really long time. I got showed it uh, at something that I was I was showing some stuff at, and and there's good stuff in it. Kirk is, Kirk is, is actually really, really, really that's good. That's what I'm that saying. <laughs> Kirk, and I think I felt pressure to like honor Kirk. You know, like oh, like I'm like I better get this right, man. He's such a good. <laughs> <laughs> like I was always like, why is Gavin the leader of this gang? Like Kirk should totally be the leader of this gang. Like, whoa, yeah, yeah. Whoa. I mean, it was like, he, yeah, it was uh, definitely. You were a great evil dude, Kirk. You were much better. Well, man, I appreciate yeah. you saying that. And you know, I I was pretty traumatized on set. I didn't do half the stuff I wanted to do <laughs> because I I told Doug this that we were all, I think we were still in Brooklyn. Remember, we shot a couple weeks in Brooklyn. Were you yeah. there? Yeah. yeah, you guys were there. I yeah, can't remember if it was there. Brooklyn. Yeah, East New York. Yeah, maybe it was East there. New York. East New York. It was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm That's not sure Brooklyn, if it was yeah. it was there or it was in London, but I was getting ready to do my first scene where I run, where you guys chase the guys chase me. And uh I was just kind of like, you know, I was really excited. I, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm in the film. Okay, get ready with the giggler. I'm I'm gonna try this, I'm gonna try that. And Michael Winner starts calling me. But I, I didn't really hear it clear. I was like, I could hear a sound. Mr. Taylor. Mr. Taylor, Mr. Taylor, your part is diminishing rapidly. <laughs> what the hell, dude? You know, like how a, a, a good director will set a vibe on set where you want to give your oh, you want to give your kidney for him, right? As soon as he right. did that, I was like, "Now I just got yelled at in in front of the crew and everybody, and basically yeah. he's going to cut my part down." So I'm not going to do any of that stuff I was going to do. I'm not going to run backwards because I was going to turn <laughs> yeah, and run backwards. Right. I'm saying I'm so fast, you old fart, <laughs> yeah. that I'm going to turn around backwards and run. Yeah. I really was going to do that. But at that point, I calculated. I said, let's just keep it pretty safe because this guy is brutal. And I don't know if you remember guys seeing the newspaper. Do you see that fake newspaper with something like the Herald? And it says, Michael Winner killed by a falling <laughs> scaffold. All 200 yeah, crew that. members claim responsibility. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh my god! On set, there you go. All yeah. two hundred. Well, there was a there was a mo uh, a moment in England where a five k uh, fell near him, and there was all the scuttlebutt that um uh, or a ten k light that someone a crew member had tried to, to <laughs> oh crush him. Fucked up, and they missed. The light. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was so weird about him because he was kind of a charming dictator. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you liked yeah. him. I I liked yeah. him. He was the one yeah. that helped me. I called him when I I, I had um, in Full Metal Jacket. I had the another, number four lead. I had Dorian Harewood's role, and it was called Eight Ball from the from the novel. And right. uh, I you know I snuck into the audition. I you know I, I got it, and I'm preparing. I, I learned about New, the New Orleans culture and accents and all that kind of stuff. I spent all yeah. my money. I even spent my last seventy five dollars to buy a VCR so that I could watch Stanley Kubrick movies. It ended up being a box. Honestly, a box of bricks. 
I bought a box of bricks. Oh, no. <laughs> it, it, I was so I was so bummed out. It was like uh, my last seventy five. I said, okay, it's okay. Then Liam Vitali uh, calls me and says, Kirk, sit down. I said, why? He said, Stanley thinks you're not dark enough to play that character. There's references to Jungle Bunny, Spear Chucker, Jigaboo. He doesn't say, he doesn't think you can pull it off. And I literally collapsed on the floor in my apartment. Mm-hmm. And I cried for like, I mean, come on, I'm broke. I just, just like you, you, you lost this big project. I'm screwed. And I remember I cried and I got up and I wiped my face. I was like, not without a fight. And one of the first people I called was Michael Winner and asked him what I should do. And so I started putting press, started putting feelers out. I called Tim Johnson from British Equity. I called everybody and Leon eventually called back and said, Kirk, don't misunderstand. Stanley loved you. He said, you're one of like two or three people he's even taken from videotapes. He said, but you're just not right for that. He wants to offer you Sergeant Payback. And so that's how I got Payback. And that poor guy that was Payback ended up being the door gunner, I think, for Full Metal Jacket. But <clears throat> Michael helped me. And so I really liked him, even though it was a weird kind of a love-hate relationship where he was kind of brutal yeah. and egotistical yeah. and mean-spirited. But then he was charming and lovely, and he had a British accent. So Yeah. <laughs> Something about so the British accent. Stanley Muskin, yeah. Stanley Muskin yeah, I agree, focused on, t- yeah. on tans. Because when I showed up after getting Full Metal, I went back and spent the summer running on the beach to get in shape. Right? Nice. And, and, and I got there, and I was too dark. And he said to me, mm. I walked in and, you know, there's all the the white guys from L.A., right? You know, Arliss Howard and Matt Modine and all right, and right. Adam Baldwin. And they're all like white, pasty white guys. And I walk in and in the summer, I get like really dark. I get super dark. I'm dark right now and it's October. Yeah, you got a good tan. walking. <laughs> and uh, it's my skin. Anyway, I walk in and Stanley goes, oh, no, this isn't going to this won't do at all. This is this is bullshit. And he yells, Leon, he goes, get him the makeup. And he, he sent me to makeup two times to be to put a fake mustache on. And he was going to and I'd walk in and he'd go, Captain Rodriguez. And all the guys, all the all the actors would be in the background laughing their asses at me. I'd come back oh, with a cool man shoe and he'd go, Captain Sanchez. And then you'd hear like Matt McGee go, we don't need no badges. You know, you know, yeah. and, 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 and finally he's going to send me back for a third time. And I go, dude, you know what? This is bullshit. Like, and I pull him aside and I see, see those fucking guys over there. That's your fucking problem. Not me. I'm a, I'm a captain in, in the jungle. I, you know, did you, did you see apocalypse now? Yeah. You know, I'm surfer. I got surfing going on. I'm in the jungle. What are they doing? Where did they come from? And then I just went back to my, they sent me back to my hotel and I thought I was fired. And Leon called me up at 11 o'clock at Mm. night. He goes, you're going to get picked up in the morning, 5.30 a.m. I got picked up. They bring me over to that room that they had rehearsals in and Stanley's making coffee. And he goes, you like coffee? And I go, yeah. And there's nobody there. And it turned and we we sit down, we have coffee and I'm thinking he's going to, I go, look, I'm sorry what happened. I'm sorry, but I did my research. This is the next a half an hour later, the door opened and all the guys came in. They had been to a tanning salon. He sent the holy sent shit, all the actors what? to a tanning salon, and that was that. And they all looked at me, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> I was like, "That is the coolest thing." And he and he, Dude, and he left me alone. Wow! But he did have trouble with lighting. Whoa. Like he'd show me the he, you know, because he remember Kirk. He took those beautiful Polaroids, like with that. That machine that yeah yeah I yeah, have yeah. it I have the I have one of them 
He took one Ooh. of me, and I looked at it, and I was like, God, I'm dark. Like, you can hardly see me. Like, it was really hard. It must have been a pain in the ass to light me, you know, whatever, because there's Matt Modine and there's me. But anyway, it was um, what a crazy great experience. And yet, it like, you know, what a yeah. He didn't like tans. He was on, but he was such a detail freak and he was a cinematographer. So right. everything he saw, he, right. he saw yeah. through the eyepiece and that was what he saw, you know, period. Yeah. It didn't, well, yeah. well, he, he was always ready to adjust though. Like he, remember the girl, do you remember meeting that girl that was the Viet Cong, the, the, the yes. sniper? And remember, she was like 15 years right. old and she worked with us for three weeks and then she said, okay, I'm going back to Paris. I'll see you guys soon. I'll be back to shoot. Never saw her again because Stanley, Stanley went back to the details, went back to his vision, said, I want to shock people with this. She's too old. I want an eight-year-old. And he hired an eight-year-old to play that role. So he was constantly willing to change stuff if it, if it didn't fit the vision. And he was brutal. brutal. He would say, we were doing a scene and he'd say that we were playing a poker game and he'd look at me and he'd go, that guy over there is acting, isn't he? And I'd be like, I was afraid to answer. I was like, he's, you know, he was just an extra, but he was, mm. yeah, he was trying to act. And Stanley oh. was like, he was acting too much, right? That he was like, right, right. And he, that guy was gone. Like two minutes later, they, a big hook. He was yeah. gone. <laughs> it was scary. <laughs> oh, it was scary. Was Michael Winner like that? Michael Winner was not yeah, like, opposite. I think. It was the exact not opposite. at all. Yeah. Michael Winter acted yeah. like he was like that, but he was not like that. He was he he was a softy, no, I, I think. John he was Stanier, a softy in heart. Yeah, yeah, he kept saying he kept saying it's an A picture, it's an A picture. And I remember John Stanier on the deck up with the camera up his eye because he goes, that's great. Oh, I love that. No, it's yeah. true. My, I mean every Everybody knew, but my, everyone was in on the joke, but Michael. I mean, that's and I the, think, I honestly you know. think he genuinely, like the way he helped you, Kirk, with that problem, like I think that's who Michael, honestly, he gets pleasure from like finding uh, this this ragtag group and then they become his. And, you know, and he and, he and yeah. uh, Kubrick were degenerate gamblers together. I don't know if you know that. Oh, no. I think they were, yes, Foreman, they right? were but, famous yeah. to be. Up till all yeah. hours at the after hour gambling in, really? in London was a very gentleman kind of private club kind of thing, and and you, it was not legal, but they did it in these very controlled, beautiful locations. And apparently, Winter and, and Stanley were at each other constantly, and Borman as well. Yeah, that was like a yeah. Really, yeah. that makes sense because I knew they yes. were friends, and so maybe he maybe maybe he made a call. <laughs> For me. You know, I I wouldn't <laughs> doubt it. He he he. I wouldn't doubt it. I felt it. he had. He was he 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 was very sympathetic and wanted to help. Yeah. You know, he wanted to help. Yeah. So I, I will say the the film has lived on much more than I thought. Right. Um. You know, it's it's shown all the time. I did a screening of it at the Music Box Theater in Chicago, which was pretty much sold out. Whoa. Um. I mean, people love the movie. They get you know some people like are adherents of it. You know, they take it straight. And so people love it as like, you know, almost satire. Um, but people still love that movie. It's, it's so funny to me. Well, really. It's crazy. It's over the yeah. top, really. You, well, you hire uh, you hire uh, rapists and killers who are lovely people. <laughs> and it's a, sub, it's, it's a subliminal, it. like, oh, I have to see that movie. Those guys are really nice. Yeah. That's that's the for, I think that's the formula. I love that about I can't hit him. He looks like a choir boy. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna lose my audience. 
great line. Oh, what what a great guys, compliment. What did you guys think of the movie yeah. when it first came yeah. out? Did you go to any premieres or anything for it? No. I don't I think they had one for us, did they? They didn't have a premiere. I saw it in Times Square. Kirk, did you and I see it together? We might have, yeah. We might have. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it in Times Square, like one of those Times Square theaters. It was really fun because, you know, I grew up mostly in New York, and you go see movies like that in Times Square, and the audience was so riotous, and they would talk to the screen and throw things and yell. So it was was like theater. People were just talking and yelling and up and down in their seats the whole time. I had heard that. It was an experience. I heard that Bronson was upset because it was so super violent and just kind of over the top, like satirical violence, and that he forbid Michael Winner from directing the next one. He would not. He would not do it if Michael. Jay Lee Thompson, it. right? Mm-hmm. From then on, the, yeah. The, you know what? They did four. They did. They did. Yeah, five. that was four. Oh, well, yeah, Jay Lee Thompson did the fourth one. Uh, the fifth one. I don't know who directed that. Was, wasn't that yeah. good? <laughs> That was made then. Yeah, Kirk told yeah. me how yeah. everybody went nuts when they killed the giggler. Like the theater, like erupted, and he told me like how like happy he was, like that he was able to evoke that emotion. You know, I was when they yeah. said about me putting a knife in a girl's head. I was like, okay, that's enough. Damn it, that's enough. Uh, I was yeah, and it, it was it was. I told you guys a little bit about that. They they put a bulletproof – I'm going to shoot the scene where I'm getting shot. And they put a bulletproof vest on me. Okay, that's suspicious. Then they put a, put a yeah. freaking metal plate on top of the bulletproof vest. I was like, okay, Good shit. Lord. And then they said, okay, because it's, it's a uh, – how do you say it? Wildy? Widley? Yeah. I don't know. The gun. Wildy. Because it's a wildy, it would leave a gigantic hole even going in and then a big one coming out. He'd be like a grapefruit. He said, so we're going to put five charges and five blood packs on the front and back. I was like – Oh my God. And so they, they, they ran a wire down my leg and they said, you know, that I did the scene. They said, run. And they touched the wires together and that thing punched me like, it was like, pow. Somebody punched me in the spine and I flipped and rolled and laid out. And when I got wow. up, they had this big, you know, that big motorcycle vest I had on the sleeveless thing, real thick, mm-hmm. thick, thick, thick cowhide. It was shredded, dude. It was like blood was pouring. It looked, it was so grotesque that I almost passed out. <laughs> I yeah. almost passed out because I was like, I, I literally said to him, I said, I, guys, I just got to sit down for, for just a second. Can I sit down? Can I just sit down? And I sat down and did it a few more times. But I, I think that was a freaking dangerous stunt, yeah. right? Yeah, it, w- it was, Kirk. It was a dangerous stunt that you should not have done. <laughs> oh, correct. Holy smoke. And I did my own fall, but wow. they ended up, they had a stunt guy wow. there too. The stunt guy ended up doing his version of the fall. I like mine better, but he, that last Flip and arm going up is him. Oh, you know, right? Yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, that was. I was, you know, I was just happy when the giggler was killed. I have to just say, I really was. <laughs> so evil. Did you guys take yeah, like take anything from set? Like this is early on in all of your careers. Did you guys keep any mementos or anything? I think I think I got the when we shot in East New York uh, in Brooklyn, we shot in a really terrible neighborhood that they just we, we were in an abandoned building and they found a head in a mailbox on the corner. Do you remember that? You guys? No, no. They found a, a decapitated head in a mailbox. There was hypodermic needles Everywhere. all over the ground. Um, I mean, it I was really, really messed up. My point being. You didn't really want anything <laughs> from the set Nothing. of Declaration 3. I mean, I, I kind of yeah. wanted the head. I'm not sure where I would have put it in my in my apartment, but no, no. it's true. There was it was yeah. um it was really a nasty everywhere we were was nasty. <clears throat> nasty, nasty. And then we'd run back to our hotel yeah. and like, where are we going to dinner? 
it's like, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I had so much fun on that. I kept a shirt, I think, and I had the do rag for a while. And that do rag right. was added at the very last second. The customer says, How about a hat that makes you look fast? How about you look fast? And they put me this thing on me. And of course, it had like the flappy thing that would, when I would run, it would go in the wind. So I think I kept, I kept that and I kept uh, the shirt that was from, it was from Streetwalking originally. And I guess they recreated it or something. So I had one of the shirts. But that is, right. that's long gone in my New York days. Was, was, uh, yeah. Alex, I remember that like Jessica Tandy's granddaughter was our uh accountant for the film tarn tarn right and her right. father was jessica tandy and Yoon cronin were her grandparents some crazy right. crazy, crazy thing and i was like why are you wow. working on this film like you should not be you're from royalty yeah. i'm some greek dude from mm, queens yeah. it doesn't make any sense that you're here, like, yeah. And she was just the strangest, nicest. I remember just there. There were so many quirky people working in Michael Winner's universe that you just knew that there was something beyond Michael Winner being an utter and total hack. That that he was once yeah. potentially a very good director. And I remember Alex, you telling me that once, like he had actually made his yeah. first film were actually well, well-reviewed films where he was considered a filmmaker. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. He made The Mechanic, the Louis John Carlin movies, one of the best Bronson movies right. of all of them. Made a Brando movie that's not bad. I mean, he made, he made, he started out, like, making films. I think that his, it seemed to me that by the time we got Death Wish 3, like, Whatever his peccadilloes were, to put it as nicely as possible, had kind of overtaken gambling, his craft, gambling. You know? That's what I heard. Yeah, gambling yes. and debauchery and sort of controlling people and <laughs> yes. manipulating people. I remember seeing the stuntman with Peter O'Toole and going, "Oh, it's holy Michael shit, Winner. that's Michael Winner!" Like that's a hundred percent based on Michael. What Winner. a great analogy! Um, oh. But you guys are right. Like it was, it was a set because he had come. A he was came from a fairly well-to-do family in the UK. Uh, so he was fairly well off and, and you know how, you know, England works in terms of he was of a certain class. So he had a certain respect for that alone. Then he had had a career. So 100 percent our set was comprised of some really great people who had done incredible work. But that was also a feature of Canon movies, I found. Like if you ended up on a Canon picture, they would often manage to get people who had a pedigree just making schlock. And um that happened, you know, on a few Canon movies that I was either in or around. And, and thankfully, you know, for me, I was always grateful because it just made the experience better. Like we all, we had great crew. Oh, and, yeah. And it made the experience I, I, much I more enjoyable. I remember that they had a, Michael had set up a dining room. We would go off to get online and eat from the trough. The slop, the slop house. And then the you'd, house. You'd, you'd peek into yeah. this room, and there'd be like white linens and waiters, and yeah. and and yep. Charles would be sitting there with his wife, and 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 whoever Deborah, Deborah Raffin, and they would all be like getting served like beautiful that was meals. It. Yeah, <laughs> and then we were like outside. Yeah, yeah all the time, yeah. every time Michael Winter had a meal, it was it was exactly yeah. like five star restaurant service. You know, yeah. And it, but if you do, if you remember on in the hospital once we got there, it was like something out of Dickens. That that room they were in had windows that looked down onto the slot yeah. house. Do you remember that? It, it the windows literally they were way up here, like on the fact like the factory boss, and we were like way down here on these like broad tables. Like oh yeah, I remember that. Twist. 
<laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Please, sir. Yeah, man, no, I, I remember that sir. Charles, Charles, when he was into me for my changing my last name, he was really working me hard. He actually said, "I want you to come to lunch. You know, have lunch. You're going to have lunch with me." And and right. you know, with, with him. Us? And wow. and Michael Winter goes, "Charlie, right. no, no, you can't, no." And he wouldn't allow it. And I got. Yeah. No, he's a he's a workhouse boy, Charlie. He no, no, Charles, no. And Charles oh. was like, "All right, listen." I go, maybe if I change my name to Tony Spirit, he'll let me eat with you. But yeah, no, Charles. Charles was like the nicest person. I, I couldn't. I remember being flabbergasted at Charles Bronson, the image, the movie star, and, yeah. and then this guy, and he yeah. was getting on in age. You know, he. But I remember the way he yeah. loved his wife. Like, I remember the way he doted on her yeah. when she was ever around. He was such a gentleman. Like, it was it was kind of... He was. Yeah, yeah. He was a very gentle, gentle person. Thing. And, yeah. and I, I'll always... That, that's what I remember most about working with, with Charles Bronson is that he was a complete gentleman. Yeah. Like, unbelievably so, you know? He was, yeah. He was thoughtful yeah. too. I mean, I remember when I first showed up on set. I'm very nervous. I'm in costume with the freaking mark that you got there, Doug, on the for my forehead. And there's Bronson. I was like, oh. I, I went up to him. I said, "Hello, Mr. Bronson. I'm I'm, I'm Kirk Taylor. I'm playing the Giggler." He said, "He said, ah. Oh. He said, Jill, Jill, come over here. I want you to meet Kirk Taylor. He's playing one of the heavies." That's where I first heard the term. I, I had never been called a heavy before. And he was just kind. Of took a picture. I got a great picture. I have it sitting. Let me, let me grab it real quick. I would argue that Kirk is really the only heavy. I, 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 I have I, to say, Alex, a hundred. <laughs> no offense I, to either. I ended, up, I ended up using this picture like so much. Get out of here! I got goosebumps. Yeah. How come I don't have anything like that? I was too stupid. I was too. I knew I wasn't a, a, a bad guy. You, you. I, I don't, don't have, have any, any pictures from that. I have zero. literally zero <laughs> pictures from that. If era. you had, if you had changed your name to Tony Spirit, <laughs> you'd have a whole <laughs> wall for the picture. But you know what, Kirk? Alex just said something while you were getting the picture. You really were fantastic and the only true villain in the entire movie. I really mean that. Yeah, I would I, mean, argue I would, that. I would. I would go so far as to say you're about the only only performance. Exactly. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> and I was so I was so green. I mean, I remember at one point Tony helped me. We were in a scene, and we were up there with a girl was smoking the cigarette with the big yeah. boobs. The black girl that was Michael's girlfriend, by the way. I don't know if you knew that, but he smoked this. That was Michael's girlfriend because I tried. Her name is Sandy. And at one point, yeah. I was I was or talking. He kept to, going in and cutting her shirt. He'd have a cigar. Right yes. In her face. He would wow. Cut her shirt with a giant pair of scissors and, right before the. And I liked her. She was she was you know she looked good to me. And so we were in the hey we we're in the slop house, Alex. Where where the he looked down and I was talking to her. He said, "Mr. Taylor." He screamed at me to get to get away from. Him. And her name was Sandy. And I didn't know the British thing, which was she said, "Yes, my name is Sandy, Randy Sandy." I said, "Randy Sandy." I said, "Your name's I actually." I actually screamed that, and I didn't know Randy met horny. That. Randy met horny. You called her that for the yeah. rest of the shoot. Yeah. yeah, Randy Sandy, and I and, and Tony helped me in that that scene with her. Michael said, "I remember Michael saying that's hilarious because she was sitting there smoking a cigarette, and behind her is like five or six guys, so implying that there's some action that took place." And uh, uh, so yeah, that's, that was Randy Sandy scene, and Michael just wanted me to stay away from her. He really wanted me to stay away from her. That was his girl. Right. Good Lord. How physical did you guys get with uh, with Bronson? Because uh, he was like 63, 64 at the time. 
I don't think no we had one, any scenes where we no had one to got to touch. Him. I did. No, did you, I, I, I did. Because when the, the scene, he takes the, he gets the ice cream, he puts the Nikon camera over his back, his bait, and he comes right. out. I see it. And when I did it the first time, I'm supposed to give him a push. So I was like, okay, well, he's 60. I'm going to just, I'm going to just, he looked 70 to me, to tell you the truth, but <laughs> I pushed him a little bit. He said, he said, he said, son, push me harder. I was like, okay, Mr. Bronson, okay. And so then I did it again. But she said, no, son, push me hard. Push me hard. I was like, I'm going to end up being the guy that kills Charles Bronson on set. <laughs> I was going to hurt him. I thought I was going to hurt him. And so I did what he asked and I pushed the shit out of him and pushed him into the fence. And he bounced Oof. off the fence and then reached into his jacket and pulled out that five foot gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Wildy. Wildy's here. Yeah. Wildy's yeah. Here. So I really, I, I roughed yeah. him up a little bit, but he wanted it. He, he, he actually was, he asked me at least yeah. two, three times to push him harder and harder. And I just, I didn't want to do it. I felt. <laughs> You know, I was going to hurt him. You gave in. That's why you got yeah. the photo. Tony didn't give in, uh, and that's why no yeah, photo. I was, I was playing yeah. Tony Spirit. <laughs> oh, I, I was saying that in that scene, Tony, I didn't. I was like a little lost. You know, I didn't know how to do it. And you, you actually gave you coached me during that's that what scene. I should have been a coach. What did I? What did I say? What coach. did I say to you? I said. It was something about saying, no, this is what, no, what, what he's trying to say, what you're supposed to be saying is this. This is what it means. Cause I didn't understand how it fit into the context the of things. <laughs> I was like, dude, you, cha uh, you channeled my I'm inner glad, giggler. I'm glad at least somebody. Uh, to think that is, hor is horrifying. Totally. That was literally, like, I couldn't figure out angels yeah. for the life of me. I was like, what? I'm helping you. I was lost. Yeah. You you really helped me. I mean, it helped me. I find that in any of yeah. the stellar Adler books that I read, but it's, I've got at least somebody somewhere right. did right. provided oh some God. scene analysis. Oh, I love man. Stella. I did. A, oh I think we're getting right on to like an hour, yeah. but I just wanted to ask about yeah. you know the gentleman Ed Louder. I never knew until I was doing research. I saw him in one of like the last Hitchcock movies a few weeks back, and I go on his Wikipedia, and he was a stand-up comedian. Was this like one of his like? Early roles because in the Hitchcock movie, it's with Brewster. I think they forget the name of it, but he's like really silly. He's like kind of playing like a dumb kind of person. But in this movie, he's like a badass. I don't know if this is like the first time that he did that, but what was he like on set? He was really nice. He was the one who shoots me in the yeah. movie, so I got to spend some time with him, and um, he was incredibly nice. I mean, he was doing a lot yes. of sort of cop right, right, heavier right. roles by then. That was very Ed much Louder the kind of type role, kind yeah. of yeah. type. <laughs> yeah, that, so it didn't seem off model. I mean, the only person who, who Tony mentioned earlier, the only head scratcher on that movie yeah. for me was Marty Balsam. I mean, I couldn't, I didn't for the life of me understand why he was there. And honestly, Balsam no, did not understand why he was there. Like, he was living he was, in an old folks' was, home on the Upper yeah. West Side. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And Are I you serious? Heard, Oh, uh, what's his daughter's? Uh, I was friends with his daughter who um, married George Clooney. Anyway, and she told me that it was because he just wanted to work and Michael loved him. And, and it was one of right. those things where yeah. they knew each other and it was like, hey, if Marty Balsam wants to work, you know, we'll find a place for him because he, didn't, he yeah. didn't know where he was even, Alex. He was He really he was didn't. Yeah, I mean, he had no idea what was going yeah. on. and. Yeah, and he didn't didn't understand the movie and and like why where he fit in it or anything. But everyone else I felt was was had a really good attitude and and you know the louder the you know those who got to eat at that table that we did not <clears throat> were all they incredibly were. Yeah. lovely um, and not and not not classicists like nobody was looking down. I mean, winner 
even in his own yeah. way was was you know i mean someone said it before he kind of saw himself as one of the gang it in a kind of in a somewhat sad way i think it wasn't reciprocated just to the degree that like i mean he could be pretty brutish and 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 offensive on set so there was a kind of divide between the whole crew and him in a way um and we all kind of just had each other's backs and and that went shot straight through the cast including deborah raffin and louder and everybody and bronson bronson had this attitude of like look you know i get it you get it you know let's have some fun and we all have each other's backs i think was the vibe in, ter- in terms of uh, – there was a crew member. I want to see if you guys remember him. There was a guy on crew. I think his name was Mike. He was probably in his 40s and he had a gigantic scar from the top of his chest all the way down. He had been stabbed when he – someone had asked him from – I remember I just loved that guy. He said somebody had asked him for money on the street in London. He said, what do I look like, a freaking bank? And the guy took out a knife and literally almost cut his heart in half. And this, do you oh remember him? Oh, my God. He had a, a dark scar, dark hair, kind of like, like – uh, um, a little, little beat up, little beat up. But he made it. He was on set with us. I just remember I, I kind of like gravitated toward him because huh. I know he had been through a lot. But he's a, he was, a, you know, he was a good guy, and uh, he spoke his mind to someone that didn't want to hear I, it. I, I, yeah, right. But, Everybody was great. The AD was great. I remember his name. He was he was hilarious and had done a ton of huge movies. And obviously, we had Stanier shooting it, who was a legend. Um, I mean, there were certain people on that set who had made incredible films. It was really. You know, that was it was a lot of fun chit chat, but no one was under the illusion that this was one. Was this film on a launching pad for the rest of your careers? Did, did it help oh, at all? For me, for sure. Well, I mean, I got Full Metal Jack from that, and that kind of changed my category. It was like, oh, you were in one of Stanley Kubrick's films, the ones he makes every seven years? Oh, very good. And it right. kind of people looked at me a little differently after that. Then I did School Days with Spike Lee. And everybody in Full Metal Jacket was coming out that year. And I was in Atlanta shooting. So it, it definitely kind of steered me in a different direction. It gave me a certain – I mean, because how many, how many Kubrick films are actually made? I mean, he even, he even said to me, either Matthew or uh, Leanne Vitale, he said, tell Kirk that we're going to work together on something big. And I was like, something big? How much did he – he spent like 150, whatever it was, million on this film. What he, he said, no, 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 a bigger role. And so when Eyes Wide Shut came out, I said, okay, maybe it's this one. And then I remember going, I was at NYU and I think I was in school. No, I was living in the area and I went to get a pint of, of Haagen-Dazs ice cream, the kind that they used to make honey vanilla. They don't make it anymore. And I went and I remember I saw a magazine there and it said, retrospective of the work of Stanley Kubrick. I said, oh man, they're doing like a, a, a thing for Stanley, just his work. And then I realized he had died. I didn't yeah. know he was gone. And I remember thinking, there goes that big role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, it, I think that – I don't know if it was a launching pad. Um, I think that – I certainly got recognized for it a lot. Oh, yeah, man. Um, uh, people would come up to me in the street all – and they still do funneling. People come up to me just about death wow. street to this day. So there's an iconic quality to the film. So I think that – but I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if it did, to be honest with you. It's a good question. I hadn't really ever thought of it that way. I'd been doing a lot of theater before I did that movie and – I kind of, you know, went to NYU film school around that time. Mm-hmm. And, but certainly there's an awareness of it and, and I get recognized for it. And now, like, you know, I saw um, there's a lot of filmmakers who, who, you know, know the movie really well. A lot of filmmakers love Winner in a kind of, you know, whatever 
somewhat satirical way, but still enjoy his work is however crazy it is. So it certainly, it didn't disappear. Like it, like a lot of Canon movies are just like, they, it's like they never got, <laughs> this definitely survived. And, and that's, you know, I think that's kind of cool, frankly. I did too. You know, thankfully Kirk, Kirk was thankfully good enough that it's not a complete embarrassment to watch for me. <laughs> but it's not like I, not like I watch it and go, no, that's, that's some really good acting. Right there. Yeah. That's, I, that Hermosa. It's, that's I think, really I think for it. me, it opened up the UK <laughs> as a place for me to work. And, and it was, that, that was for me the right. best of all possible things that could have happened because I went from job to job. I did the American yeah. way with Dennis Hopper. And then I did uh, full metal jacket. And then I, from full metal jacket, I went to meet, I never left London. I just, and then I went to the mini series, which took me to Spain for like four months. It was a, it was a mini, oh, it was a big, three, that's big. two part. It was three yeah, parts. We're going to make a, it was going to be a feature film. And then it showed on ABC as a mini series. And so it was like, getting me out of my uh, routine. I had gotten uh, into film. It was my first feature, you know, in, in movie. Like I hadn't done a movie. I'd mm -hmm. done television, but I hadn't really, I, I hadn't done a, a feature film. So it, it was such a wonderful way to introduce me to like being with casts and living together and like what that's like. And yeah, I didn't, I, I, I it made me, um, you know, I think from, Whatever year we did this in, you know, not soon after I was making my first feature film as a writer, you know. So, yeah. Um, and I remember being on that set and thinking, God, these guys are not nearly as much fun on Queen's Logic as they were on Death Wish 3. Like, I don't want to hang out with any of these guys. Like, it was like really weird. We, we, yeah. we, it, to be your first experience on a film and have it be with these guys. And and in that kind of yeah. mythical, like, are we in a shit storm? Are we in the worst movie ever? And yet, are, are we're we're touching like the cinematographer? And I learned a lot. I learned a lot from Alex. I learned, you know, a, a lot about you know being an actor from Kirk. And you know, so for me to be with these two guys in that setting, it was definitely it was a great great yeah, it was, first uh, first yeah. job in a film for me. It was the best, really. Yeah, I think that's the, I think that's how I feel about it too. It's like I don't know if I look at it in the context of of my career because I haven't thought about it that way. But it but it was a very very important part of my life, and it was the first movie part I really had. And um, you know, being a film student and a and a fan of movies and having come mostly from theater as a child actor. I mean, I've been on TV commercial sets and stuff, but I hadn't done a film like this. And that was it certainly was helpful for me moving forward. Like it gave me a, a foundation from which to grow as crazy as that sounds, it being death wish three. <laughs> and, but it's true, but it's like large, it's, you know, a, because of, of these guys and sort of the friendship that, that was formed and sort of how we covered our, each other, but also the fact that you did have a pretty extraordinary crew. I mean, there was very, very high end people on that set and the banter during the day while we were working was about, pretty big projects that they'd worked on. There was a lot to learn if you had your eyes and ears open, right. um, which of course is what a movie set really, you know, you used to have so much downtime that like, oftentimes it doesn't matter what the film is. It's like, what's the environment? Um, you know, and sort of like, you know, the Tony's experience on, on the Kubrick thing, I'm sure was similar where, yeah, it, it sucks if something that you're in either ends up bad or you end up cut out or whatever. But films are such kind of seismic experiences that just being yeah. being on that set changes you in some way, 
you know. And then also um, for me, the fact that we were shooting in London, I remember when they told me we were going to London and all of a sudden all the boundaries pushed back. It's like saying I could go to London. I mean, it just, it kind of expanded the possibilities of what we could do because you're like, there are other countries here. I mean, just the traveling aspect of it. I had my first passport. Michael said, get a passport. So I got my passport for the very first time. And it was like the world opened up. Totally. I think for all of us, really. I mean, it, it, it showed yeah. us something. It, it opened up our, it opened our vision up to say, wow, there's so much out here, so many places to go and so many things to do. This was so cool. Seeing you guys Great. get back together and hopefully I, you guys get that. together for like a lunch. <laughs> Maybe not with this. Don't go out in public with this on your forehead, but uh, this has been so cool. Thank you guys for taking the time to chat with us. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, so thank you. What a what a cool idea, actually. Makes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We gotta definitely stay in touch. I miss you guys. It was so great. Yeah, invite us to the reunion. When was the last time you guys saw each other? In years. I haven't seen Kirk, and I've seen Tony more recently than Kirk, but that's yeah, still yeah. many, too many long. years ago. So I, yeah, I, too so many. I, I haven't seen you guys since the film. I haven't seen you since oh, the film, Kirk. Now, we, I think you and I hooked up right after because we were both in New York, but like around when it came out. Yeah, you sent me to see Dr. Shapiro. Remember your mom? That's told right. To his, mom, yeah. his mom says, yeah, Alex was falling asleep in class and he couldn't concentrate. And so I took him to Dr. Shapiro. It was his eyes. And he gave, he gave Alex all these eye action. I did it too. I went to him. I, I yeah. wasn't very disciplined about doing it because you had to like you had these lenses you had to use you had a chopstick that you had to put on stuff you had to do. He's still working. He came to my doc. He came to my premiere in New York last year. <laughs> really? Still at it. Oh yeah. man! If I'm in I would LA, love to go I'm see him. My mom, my mom still talks about you. Please, oh. get me. Oh please, yes. That's gonna right. happen for sure. Did you hear that? Sweet right. guys. Thank you so much. Hey guys. All right. Thanks, guys. Tony. Thanks, Thanks Alex. Thank you, Doug. The sequel, dude. This was a. I didn't know what it was, but <laughs> Thank I, you. I'm, I'm all in. Thank you. <laughs> Sweet all right, guys. Great. <laughs> bye bye. Take Thanks, care, guys. So that was it. That was the Death Wish Three reunion. Unbelievable. The fact that me and Chris were able to get them together. It's pretty cool, but what's even cooler is they haven't seen each other in so long. So just hearing that connection was pretty special. Don't forget to follow us on social media at sequels only. And then also give Chris Charles Bronson himself his uh, Twitter account to follow. It's at Bronson Tweets9. And anything we discussed during the interview. You know, Alex Winter has a Zappa documentary out and a bunch of other stuff. So we'll put all the episode links in so you could check all those guys out on social media and projects that they have. And the next sequel that we're going to be covering, I know it was a little different week. We wanted to do a palate cleanser. And what a great palate cleanser. Like the greatest action movie of all time. And some of the nicest bad guys ever, as uh, Tony put it during the, the reunion. We're doing Meet the Fockers, a perfect kind of like pseudo like holiday movie. So it's right around the holidays coming up. Do a comedy. We haven't done like one of those big name comedies really ever. So this will be a lot of fun to do. We interviewed actor, writer, producer, director, Jack Plotnick. Jack has a very small role in this movie, but he's a familiar face. He was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was on the Jenny McCarthy show. And then recently, he isn't so much right now. He was in Rubber, one of the most oddest, coolest movies of all time. We talked about so much during the interview. 
He was such a blast to sit down with me. And since then, I've seen him on TV so many times. Reno 911 Lone Star last season and just so much more. Grace and Frankie, what am I talking about? Jackson everything. So don't forget to check that out next week. And don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast, follow us on all social media at Sequels Only, and don't forget to check out our website, SequelsOnly.com. Good night.